Good morning and welcome to the Florida Supreme Court. Uh, today we have on our docket two uh, ballot initiative cases. Uh, the first is advisory opinion regarding uh, regulating marijuana. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court, we're here to talk about the regulate marijuana citizen. I can't initiative. quite hear you, so. Excuse me, is that better? We're here to talk about the Regulate Marijuana Citizen Initiative. My name is Jeffrey D'Souza for the Attorney General's Office. I'll be explaining this morning why the ballot summary is defective, and I'll be joined by Daniel Norby for the Florida Chamber of Commerce and Mohammed Jazeel for the House of Representatives. I think our starting place here is the fact that the recreational use of marijuana is currently entirely and totally regulated under state law. By definition, you cannot be more regulated than an outright ban on a certain type of activity. And so what the proposed amendment really aims to do, what its chief purpose is, is to legalize that conduct that previously was entirely unlawful. And what's so striking about the ballot summary is not only that it doesn't reference the concept of legalization at all, it actually uses the precise opposite language because it speaks in terms of restricting the right of access to marijuana with terms like regulate, regulations, restrictions, and limited use. And I think if you read between the lines of the sponsor's brief, what they're really saying is that, well, voters are intelligent and they'll put two and two together and they'll figure it out. But that's not the standard. Section 101.161 requires an explanatory statement of the chief purpose in clear and unambiguous language. And so to the extent that the summary speaks euphemistically, by using a phrase like regulate when what it really means is legalize and regulate. We think that that's insufficient. The second problem that we've identified with the ballot summary with respect to the chief purpose is its failure to give voters any sense at all as to the scope and the breadth of the regulations that would be enacted and constitutionalized if the amendment were to pass. Uh, and we think that there are two particular problems. The first is that the ballot summary doesn't tell voters which state entity will be responsible for promulgating these regulations. It simply says that the state shall adopt regulations. Uh, and in the Fish and Wildlife Conservation case that this court decided, you made clear that a transfer of power from the legislature to regulate in the first instance to an executive branch agency. That's the kind of thing that is material and has to be disclosed to voters, and that's precisely what the amendment would do if enacted. It would take from the legislature the power to regulate in the first instance and give it to the Department of Business and Professional Regulation. In the process, it would also elevate the DBPR from a creature of statute to a constitutional executive agency. The other problem here is that the language doesn't put voters on notice that the regulations that shall be adopted by the DBPR are not, strictly speaking, within the discretion of the DBPR. There will be some discretion remaining to it, but largely the regulations will be predetermined. Uh, and we list a number of them in the brief, but if you just were to look at the ballot summary, you would get the sense that this is a delegation of authority and discretion to the agency to decide uh, within its particular area of expertise what the regs should be when in fact these are predetermined and largely already set by the terms of the amendment. The court has no further questions on those points. Uh, I'll turn briefly to our argument 
that the ballot summary is affirmatively misleading, and it's affirmatively misleading in a number of respects. I've already alluded to the fact that it speaks in terms of regulations and restricting rights. Let me ask you this. Your secondary argument um, depends a lot on based on the, the thought that the statute requires a full explanation of all material terms of I, th I think so. Your cases have said that there needs to be an explanatory statement of the material effects. And we think that that means the, the major legal consequences that will flow from the enactment of the amendment. Uh, so for instance, the how does that relate to the statutory language? Because the statutory language requires an explanation of purpose. It sounds like um, maybe we have to crafting on these two Would that be a, a fair statement? I mean, I don't know how you get from the purpose to all the other material things. So Justice Lawson, we think that those material effects are relevant and need to be disclosed if they go to the chief purpose. Uh, and so you can imagine a hypothetical ballot summary that simply said the recreational use of marijuana shall be regulated by the state, full stop, that's the only sentence of it. Uh, we think that that would plainly fall short of an explanatory statement. The legislature saw fit to give the sponsor 75 words to use here, and it requires an explanatory statement in clear and unambiguous language. So that kind of cursory top-level analysis or overview of what the amendment does would be insufficient. There's got to be something more. And I think that's why the, the fish and wildlife case is telling, because it's on all fours here and says that a transfer of power from one agency to another, that's precisely the sort of material effect that goes to the chief purpose and that uh, this summary just doesn't disclose. Hey, counsel, you have now uh, used half of your <laughs> rebuttal time. Uh, if you want to keep going, you can keep going for a little while. Nope, I'm happy to reserve the rest of my time. Okay, and I will actually give you a full minute. Um, Thank you so much. Morning, Chief Justice, and may it please the court. I'm Daniel Norby from Schutz and Bowen. On behalf of the Florida Chamber, the Drug Free America Foundation, the National Drug Free Workplace Alliance, and Save Our Society from Drugs in opposition to the proposed amendment, we've outlined in our written briefing the many ways that the proposal before you today stands apart from the many other proposals before you during this cycle in terms of its sheer length and the disparate array of topics it addresses. Unless the court would prefer otherwise, I'd like to start briefly by uh, emphasizing some of the comments made by Mr. D'Souza on the ballot title and summary, um, which are misleading in how they describe what the effect of the uh, proposal here is. Uh, we think that this amendment uh, is actually on all fours with this court's opinion in Askew versus Firestone. In that case, this court struck a proposed amendment to the Constitution, which uh, the ballot summary of which described the proposal as eliminating, as imposing restrictions on lobbying when the amendment itself would have eliminated restrictions on lobbying. This proposal here suffers from the same defect. And if there's any principle that this court's ballot summary jurisprudence has established, it's that a ballot summary may not be affirmatively misleading to the voters in describing what the, t the result of the proposed amendment would do. Uh, we'd also contrast the summary here 
with the summary of the medical marijuana amendment that this court approved in 2015 and that was adopted by the voters in 2016. That amendment's ballot summary spoke in terms of allowing or authorizing medical marijuana use in contrast to this one, which speaks in terms of regulating, restricting, and limiting the use of marijuana. So this summary here is, is invalid, and, and that alone would be a sufficient basis to declare the proposal before you invalid. Uh, on the, I'd like to turn to the single subject arguments as well um, and briefly address the proposed amendments violations of the Florida Constitution's single subject requirement. In uh, Fine versus Firestone, this court referred to the single subject requirement as a rule of restraint to focus the electorate's attention on singular changes in the fu functions of our governmental structure. And this court's jurisprudence has required strict compliance with the single subject rule and careful scrutiny of initiatives to ensure that they comply with the single subject requirement. The Florida Cannabis Act, which is what the sponsor has uh, employed as the short title here, uh, addresses multiple subjects in violation of the single subject requirement. We've identified several in our brief on pages 18 to 20. Uh, I'd specifically note the combination in one amendment of allowing residential cultivation of marijuana for personal use and also providing for large-scale commercial cultivation and regulation uh, in the distribution and sale of marijuana. These are distinct subjects that are logically separable from one another. Uh, this court doesn't allow sponsors, and its cases consistently say that a sponsor cannot evade the single subject requirement by enfolding disparate subjects within the cloak of a broad generality. That language is from Evans versus Firestone uh, some 30 years ago. Uh, if you look at this case's precedent in Fine versus Firestone, all of the topics there addressed uh, limitations on government revenue. This court struck it on single subject grounds nonetheless. The Save Our Ever- let me, let me ask you this. I'm, I'm, I'm quoting from the patient's rights. Worth the test that the amendment um, logically viewed as having a natural relation and Struggling to find which naturally and logically relate to separately, but if you dig down in any Justice Lawson, I, th I think part of the difficulty, as, as Justice Kogan has said in a concurring opinion, is that this oneness of purpose standard is, is a malleable standard that's difficult to, uh, to address in any particular case. Uh, I think the important question here is at what level of generality do you view the single dominant purpose or the single subject here? This court has said in the, in the Save Our Everglades case, for example, that multiple provisions addressing Everglades preservation nonetheless violated the single subject requirement. In this case, there are several different topics that could be viewed as separable from one another. One is the legalization of personal use of marijuana. Another is making provision for large-scale commercial use of marijuana. Another providing for residential cultivation of marijuana. These are topics that different voters may feel differently about approving. And under this court's log rolling precedent, which I think this court has employed as an analytical tool to, uh, to tease out single subject violations, when there are different topics that can be divided in a way that voters might approve one and disapprove of another, that is suggestive of a single subject violation. We think that's true in this amendment. I mean, why would it be that someone that is in favor of the use of marijuana, personal use of marijuana, be against 
having growers that actually provide it for sale or allowing people to grow it in their own homes. And, and the same is true. I mean, somebody who's against the personal use of marijuana is going to be against commercial establishments that make it available for use. And I'm, I'm having a hard time seeing why that's not related and, you know, you'd be one, be for all of it or be against all of it. Justice Lawson, we've provided a few examples in our briefs of, of topics that voters may feel differently about. A voter might approve of the legalization of uh, small quantities of marijuana for personal use, but disagree with the idea that uh, cannabis establishments should be um, spread across the state for the commercial sale, or, or vice versa. A voter might approve of the regulated commercial sale and distribution of marijuana, but not uh, approve of the idea of residential cultivation in people's backyards in a complete completely unregulated way. This proposal combines those different topics here for a single up or down vote by the voters, and uh, we would submit that that violates the log rolling considerations of this court. Uh, I believe it's a different plant, Justice Labarga. I, I don't believe it would fall under the category of tobacco. for smoke-free places in Florida. And in, in Florida Statute 386.204, uh, beginning there, it, it prohibits smoking in, like in restaurants, hotels, in this place, and so on. But that statute and the Constitution seems to apply only to tobacco products. So if this passes, uh, technically this statute and the Constitutional Amendment would not prohibit someone from lighting up a, a marijuana cigarette at the, uh, in, in a hotel or someplace else, whereas it would be prohibited if it was a cigar or a pipe or a, or a cigarette. Uh, that's why I'm asking, is it a tobacco product? Time has expired. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I, it's not a topic that we've addressed in our briefing. Uh, I, I believe that you're correct, though, that the smoke-free workplace provision of the Constitution would not address uh, marijuana smoking if it is limited to tobacco smoking, because they would be different products. For all of these reasons, the uh, Florida Chamber and uh, its aligned partners ask this court to find the proposal invalid. Thank you. May it please the court, Mohammed Jaseel on behalf of the Florida House of Representatives. Justice Lawson, to address your issues, this is what Justice Kogan said about the one that's a purpose standard in the 1991 case concerning political term limits. The erratic nature of our own case law construing Article 11, Section 3 shows just how vague and malleable the one that standard is. What may be oneness to one person might seem a crazy quilt of disparate topics to another. Oneness like beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and our conception of oneness thus has changed every time new members have come on to this court. Now, while my friends Mr. D'Souza and Mr. Norby have made compelling arguments for why the oneness of purpose standard has not been met in their briefs and at oral argument, what the House is asking for is to first set a consistent strike zone for what the oneness of purpose standard means, what Article 11, Section 3 actually means, and then keep the Cannabis Act from the ballot because the Cannabis Act strikes out when judged against the fixed, original, and plain meaning of the textual limits in Article 11, Section 3. Since 1968, 
The text of Article 11, Section 3, has given citizens an opportunity to amend their Constitution, not propose laws through the citizen initiative process. The historical and structural context of the 1968 Constitution substantiates that. The, the struggle I have with your argument is that the, that provision of the Constitution was amended in 1972 in order to allow the citizens to, to revise the Constitution based on um, the case law that said that the, the more limited provision from 68 that said that they could only amend sections didn't give them enough power to change the Constitution. And so I'm, I'm, I don't know why the original intent related to the 68 Constitution um, has much relevance after 1972. Could you address that? Uh, yes, Your Honor. And to address that, I think it's important to read the Adams case, which was decided shortly after the citizen initiative process was added. And Adams talked about the distinction between amendments and revisions. It talked about how amendments and revisions have both a quantitative difference and a qualitative difference. Revisions affect several parts of the Constitution. Amendments affect singular parts of the Constitution. Revisions affect uh, how the government is structured. Amendments do not. And the way I look at it, Your Honor, the 1968 Constitution still said amend Constitution. So you're still looking to make changes one at a time or more narrowly focused on one function of government, et cetera. The 1972 amendments still have uh, revision tagged to Constitution. So, so in my mind, Your Honor, we went from amending the Constitution to amending or revising the Constitution. The salient question is still changes to the Constitution. Citizens can now, from 1972 on, affect more than one part of the Constitution. They can do more things qualitatively, but the proposed change still has to affect the Constitution. And, and the word Constitution gets us back to the original intent of the 68 framers, what they had before them. You had the third DCA judge, Barkstow. You had uh, Dean Sebring appearing before the CRC, which was the framers of the 68 Constitution, talking about the ills of having statute-like amendments to the Constitution. And, and I think, Your Honor, that still holds true today. That was the intent and meaning of the phrase then. It should be now. Let me ask you this. I'm just trying to understand the scope of uh about. If, uh, say, uh, let's imagine a situation where we had a Constitution without a prohibition on the income tax. Have it in our Constitution, so this is a hypothetical, obviously. But say our Constitution did not have that, and the people decided they wanted to prohibit an income tax. Would that be within their power and the way you understand the, the limitation of this process? Yes, Your Honor, it would. And the way that we've outlined the limitation of this process is we've said that constitutional changes affect either the structure of government or affect what the government cannot do to the individual. What, what limitations are explicitly being put on the government's power to <coughs> act on the individual? Fundamental rights, issues like that. And, and there, Your Honor, the income tax... Well, but, but again, I'm, okay, I understand, I hear what you're saying, and I understand that Income imposition of income tax would fall within the scope of that, but I'm, I'm, I struggle a little bit to understand why this would not also fall within the scope of that, because this is limiting the ability of the government to punish people for uh, using marijuana. 
Is it, Your Honor? It's 4,100. It does other things to facilitate that, but that's the, I mean, it's a, it is a, it's about legalization of marijuana. Now that's a, we got other questions about whether that's adequately disclosed, but it, it is, that's the purpose of it. So I'm just struggling to see how it would, what is not at some level similar to that prohibition on an income tax. It's a prohibition on the government punishing the use of marijuana. Your Honor, it would be a closer question had the proposed amendment simply said that the government shall not infringe on an individual's right to use marijuana, but that's not what it says. It lays out in 4,189 words everything related to the possible use regulation of marijuana. Even for the individual, if you look at subsection C that talks about the personal use of cannabis, there are limitations about how you can grow six plants, you can have some de minimis transfer of cannabis from person to person. That is not a delineation of individual rights. It would be like saying that the First Amendment protecting the right to assembly and speech would be a delineation of individual rights if it also laid out every conceivable time, manner, and place restriction. And I don't think that's the way it works. You lay out a right and a framework, an individual right, whatever it is, and then you let the policymakers hear the policymakers under the Florida Constitution or the Florida legislature. You let them decide how to implement the framework, how to fill the gaps, how to set forth appropriate time, manner, and place restrictions in the First Amendment context, for example. You don't try to put everything related to a possible topic into the Constitution. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt you because your time's almost out, but it seems like what really your argument comes down to kind of a normative argument about what a Constitution is. And it has a lot of appeal in the abstract, but I'm not seeing textually where the Constitution itself says that only such and such things like what you're describing can be in the Constitution. In your honor, that's a fair point. Ours is a normative argument, and we believe that the normative argument, the, the substance of it answering what a Constitution is can be resolved by looking to what the framers of the 68 Constitution believe the Constitution to be. But I, I just, however noble their understanding of what a Constitution is, I'm not sure if they translated that into any text that limited well, Your Honor, then I would simply ask you to consider what the plain language of Constitution could mean. Uh, and there, Your Honor, can perhaps rely on dictionaries from 1966 and consider what the people at the time uh, believed a constitutional limitation or change ought to be. I see that my time has expired. Thank you, Your Honor. Good morning. May it please the court. <clears throat> Michael Minardi on behalf of Regulate Florida. It's a great honor to be before you today defending this amendment, which we do believe complies with all regulations of the Florida Constitution. Number one, in order to deal with this, we have to first determine whether or not it complies with 101.161. Um, the amendment clearly is within the ballot summaries, clearly within 75 words, and the title within 15. Um, the chief purpose is clear and unambiguous, as this court has said. It is well, to let me let me uh, ask you about that. Um, now, in your um, in your brief, you say in describing it, this is cannabis legalization, subject to reasonable regulation and defiance of federal law. That's kind of how you sum it up, uh, and I think that's accurate. 
It is, in some uh, ways. I think that's quite accurate. But then I look at the actual ballot summary, and I don't quite see that. Um, I mean, I see some things that may be hinted about the immunization of federal law violations, maybe that addresses that. Um, but when I look at the word, uh, the reference to limited use, um, regulates marijuana for limited use, I, I don't see how that uh, adequately discloses this, the legalization of the recreational use of marijuana. Um, I just, I'm, I'm because it, the, the, isn't it true that under this proposal, an adult will have the ability to make unlimited use of marijuana? They, there are restrictions on possession, the amount of possession, but as long as they can trundle back and forth to whatever their source is, they can consume marijuana in an unlimited quantity. Isn't that correct? Um, yes and no, because it does limit the well, quantities. Explain, this, explain the no part of that. Yeah, it, it does limit the quantities. Um, in it, that it, it does what? It does limit the quantities that a person can possess. But, it, not, but not the quantity that a person can consume, does it? It doesn't limit the part a person can consume. It does limit the amount a person can cultivate, how they can cultivate. How do you square that with the, the reference in the summary to limited use? Well, th that is use. How I use the plant, the way that you use the plant, cultivation of the plant, and limited means not unlimited. But it's got a growing is a separate thing that's referred to there, and you know these are distinct uh, categories. You've got you've got possession, the cultivation, um, the distribution. Those are all things: uh, the possession, the dis uh, the cultivation, uh, the distribution. I, I understand those things are limited in some ways. But the use, I do not see how use is limited in any way other than by the age limit, which is set forth there. And it refers to limited use by persons 21 years of age. Correct. Uh, or older. And limited use in the way that we consider it, number one is it's not unlimited, meaning that they have no unlimited access to amounts. And, and some of these things are as use versus whether or not I'm ingesting it versus what they can do with it. And that's what limited use is in the circumstances, not unlimited, meaning they have a limited amount of cultivation. They have limited things that they can do. No DUI, no sale to minors, limited home cultivation, where they can cultivate, limit on how much they can give to other people, and limits on the amount of um, cannabis that people can have in their home as well. And that's all depending well, again, on I, I, adults 21 I, plus. I agree with Justice Kennedy that none of those things seem like a limit on the use. However, doesn't it limit the ability to use marijuana in a private establishment that's made public if the owners don't want you to use it? Doesn't it limit your use um, in the workplace if your employer doesn't want you to use it? Yes, it does. It does. Would, both it allow those the, would it allow the government to limit use in any public space? Uh, yes, it would. I absolutely. Mean, yeah. So those might be limits on use. Those are limited use as, issues as well. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Could I ask you a question? It seems like this, the title kind of stumbles out of the gate when it tells people that it regulates marijuana in a manner similar to alcohol, in the sense that putting aside the comparisons between 
what's in this act and how alcohol is regulated. And I'm sure there's things that you would say are similar and the opponents would say there's things that are dissimilar. But at the most basic fundamental level, there's no constitutionalization of how the legislature has to govern in the area of alcohol, whereas this constitutionalizes basically a very detailed law on marijuana. And so when you're telling people that the regulation is in a manner similar to alcohol, isn't that itself just a misstatement at a very basic fundamental level of what this does? No, because I don't think just because one is not constitutionally recognized, it doesn't mean that it's similar. And similar means of like or comparable, but not exactly the same. And I think of the Florida Marriage Amendment, the court defined equivalent, meaning exactly the same or identical. Similar doesn't mean that. It means associated with, has comparisons, has similarities in it. And I think everything but I mean, in But if this, they're dissimilar in a, in a fundamental way, and again, we're talking about legal this whole area of the law is largely based on making people understand the legal context and the legal effect of what these things do. Correct. And it seems like you're misstating something very fundamentally just in the first the first five words that someone reads are inaccurate. Well, our position, regulate is to create oversight, to be able to create a program, to be able to have oversight of it. Now, in a manner similar to alcohol, number one and something that they address is the DBPR, and we don't mention it. Well, the DBPR, in fact, controls the alcohol. They establish licensing systems, and, and again, similar to alcohol, what do we know, the main things in society we know about alcohol? You have to go in, show an ID that you're 21 plus, and you can purchase alcohol. Number two, you can't drive under the influence, have open containers in the car and things of that nature. Those are the things that are similar to alcohol. We do believe that there are other things consistent with this amendment that it establishes. And realize, in, in your question, uh, Justice Labarga on tobacco, and that's the reason why we believe the DBPR is really the best um, entity to be able to control this because it's something that they deal with on a regular and consistent basis. Problems that we see that happen under a regulated adult use market. Sale to minors. Uh, maybe adults outside stores where kids walk up and ask someone to go in and purchase for them. Fraudulent identifications. These are all things that the Department of Business and Professional Regulation already does and is in their purview. So those are the similarities. Local control. Um, Actually, and I have a question about that. So in the summary, it says local governments can regulate facilities, time, place, and manner. And if the state fails to timely act, they can license facilities. Does subsection E9 mean that once a county has licensed a particular entity, that it, that can never be revoked? Uh, actually, there is procedures in there for renewing licenses and issues of that. I think it says that even, I guess it allows the allows the voters to not have establishments, but it says that if it's already been licensed, then essentially it's, it's untouchable. I mean, that how would someone know that from the summary? So if there is a ban on, and, it, and it, it's not necessarily in the summary, we believe that that is one of the other details that aren't necessarily to the chief purpose of the amendment. The chief purpose of the amendment is creating a structure. So I, I understand that our cases clearly say there's a thousand sites you could point to that say that you don't have to list every detail. But when you choose to say something in the summary, don't you have to be accurate about it? Yes, and we do believe everything in the summary is, in fact, accurate as to what it states. I don't think it's, it's misleading in any way. It provides 
you know, regulations and as far as, you know, that issue in the state and whether or not it's accurate as to whether or not the state, because it does say other restrictions. And realize this says establishes, and they're saying it doesn't create another amendment. We don't know what it does. This says, the amendment says establish. So that means create or set up. So the idea that it doesn't give the chief purpose of legalization, I think, is misfounded in the amendment, because it does clearly say regulate marijuana for adult use of people 20 establish rules and regulations for that. Well, but again, I go back to what I said before. If it said that, if it said it regulates marijuana for adult use, maybe we'd be talking about something a little different, but it says limited use. And I think that just conjures up something that is different than the reality that I'm seeing here. And I, I won't say that again because I've said it. Uh, understandable. Well, I, I want to give you an opportunity to further respond to that. Yeah, and again, we do believe that it does provide limited use. There are restrictions in it as opposed to unlimited. And another reason why we didn't use the word legalization in the ballot summary as well, because you know a lot of the proponents against us that are on the cannabis side believe ours is too restrictive and believe that it um, it, it doesn't, it, it's just a limited amendment that doesn't provide, you know, unlimited use for people, that it still restricts a person's well, they, well, access. I mean, well, they may not like is the restrictions on who can get into the business, okay, because you've carved that out in a particular way mm -hmm. uh, that is going to exclude some people that might want to be in the business. Isn't that right? That is absolutely correct. That's not a, that has nothing to do with how much people are going to use and the ability of people to use marijuana. It has to do with who's going to make the money from supplying it. Isn't that correct? That is correct. And, and some of those, we do have licenses restrictions as well. Um, and it does say establish rules for regulation of cannabis establishments. But the limited use still goes, um, some of the things Justin Lawson mentioned, also the home cultivation. And again, it's the opposite. And I guess it depends on how you use the word limited. But limited means any restriction, cap, on something. It doesn't mean that everything necessarily um, is controlled. It just means a limit and not unlimited. Again, this is not an unlimited amendment which allows someone to grow 12 plants, 15 plants, however many plants that they want, to give it to whoever they choose to do so or use it again in a public place or any other manner. Um, the amendment clearly provides for establishing people, and we do believe it does say, and so we don't use legalization, we say regulate manner, and we also use responsible adult use. But in, even in uh, A2, purposes findings, that sentence there, it says we find that legalization, so it's text of the amendment. The summary says, Regulation, which implies something's already legal. Well, it says legal for purposes 21 years of older, and it's consistent with our amendment, which it says regulates marijuana, limited use and growing by persons 21 years of age or older. So it's clearly influencing in that they're creating a new system where establishing new laws in order to permit adults 21, play, age, 21 years or older to have the limited use of cannabis, limited cultivation, and then establishment of licensing structure. Legalization goes beyond just personal use, right? You're legalizing it also for commercial cultivation for anyone who has an appropriate license, right? That is correct. Farmers in Florida right now can't go out and grow marijuana the same way they grow watermelons or peanuts, 
That's correct, and, I, and, and that's why, and that's another reason why we distinguish between regulate and legalize, because they can't just go out and do that. Anybody can't just go out and cultivate, no matter where they are, whether or not you're a, an entity or a commercial business. There are regulations in place that they have to comply with in order to be able to do so. Well, but, but this amendment will legalize their ability to do that. The way that I see legalizes is having no prohibition on it. The way that it, it seems to be defined is removing all penalties from it, and we do believe that there, this amendment doesn't do that. This amendment creates penalties. For example, if an operator acts outside of their, their licensing requirements, they can be penalized for that. If they act without a license, they can be penalized for that. If someone, an adult 21 plus, gives to a minor, or if someone, uh, an adult... You're, you're saying it's not legalization? You said in your brief that it is. That this is cannabis legalization. That's what you said. Right there, page 15, last full sentence. In, in a respect, it, it's, it is part of legalization, but it is not what we would consider in the way that we use this in the amendment, um, a, a full legalization because of that. And that's why the wording is not in the amendment much, and it was mentioned in the brief. Um, but it, again, the amendment doesn't. Uh, because legalization is a requirement that would, again, from our perspective, absolve all penalties, this provides for still penalties, still for oversight by the government as to what is and isn't wrong. Someone could still be arrested if they have an amount that's not indicative of personal use on them. Um, so, it, it, and, and that's why it's, it's regulated and it is legalized, but it's also a regulated legalization market. It's not an unlimited legalization market, um, sort of like what the federal government has been done with hemp in this situation. And these regulations and restrictions are all connected as a oneness of purpose to this scheme and plan. Um, and going back in, in some of the single subject requirements is proposed amendment must manifest a logical and natural oneness of purpose to accomplish this um, purpose. Article 3, Article 11, Section 3 states amendment proposals by the people shall embrace one subject in matters directly connected therewith. Um, and a proposal meets a test when it may logically be viewed as having natural relation and connection in a comp as component parts or aspects of a single dominant plan or scheme. Unity or objective plan is the universal test. Um, and in all the cases cited by the department and the health, their log rolling requirements are substantially different. <clears throat> Even in the uh, Fish and Wildlife Conservation Amendment, there are some discrepancies and distinguishing factors in that. The DFA in their brief states all aspects um, deal with marijuana regulation. Same thing they were saying is that it has disparate parts. All of those parts deal with marijuana regula regulations. Um, they say several Everglades to support the amendment engages in rolling, log rolling, but again, that is distinguishable. That case um, has Save Our Everglades, which is a very popular issue, and then they compel the sugar company to be able to restore the uh, Everglades. In doing so, they found that that was a violation. Regulate doesn't do that. We don't contain different purposes such as regulate marijuana to fund public schools. Uh, everything in amendment is directly connected to the use of marijuana or the regulation of a commercial system. Uh, and realize this is very similar to the medical marijuana amendment and what they did in that it says allows medical use. It didn't say it legalized medical use of marijuana anywhere in the amendment. It didn't use those words but that is essentially what it did. 
in that amendment, they did the same type of thing in regards to, number one, they gave it to the Department of Health. Number two, they provided for oversight by that Department of Health. They created a system where doctors could now legally be able to recommend to qualified patients medical marijuana. And they also um, created, obviously, a system of cultivation and checks and balances over that. That amendment was found to be valid um, and did not engage in raw growing because all of those things were a oneness of purpose and they were directly connected to it. The case law of this court specifically states that um, just because you require, and they mentioned in the 2016 deal building medical marijuana amendment, that just because you require an agency to act or to do certain things to comply with the amendment, that doesn't significantly alter the functions of government. And that's exactly what this amendment does. It's no different than that. It does not um, alter the functions of government. And again, that uh, opinion said that even though it combined separate subjects because they all had a logical, natural oneness of purpose, um, namely whether Floridians want to a provision the state with authorizes the medical use of marijuana. And in this case, it is whether or not Floridians want to authorize the adult use uh, for people 21 plus of marijuana. The medical marijuana did similar um, things in there. It removes penalties for those involved in the authorized medical use of marijuana. One of the other things they address about our amendment is it doesn't give a fair and accurate description of immune, uh, immunization from federal law. Um, we believe that both of the uh, past two, 2014 and 2016, medical marijuana amendments had very significant or substantially similar uh, language and it says does not immunize federal law violations. And this one does the same. It says, nor does it immunize, um, immunize? Immunize. Immunize federal law violations. Um, so I do think it is consistent there. And the ballot summary and title must be fair and advise voters sufficiently uh, so that they can cast a ballot. It properly informs voter and cannot isolate one phrase and claim it is fatal. The title and ballot summary must be read together. Um, the court's responsibility is to determine if the language of the ballot summary and title as represented misleads the public. In uh, advisory opinion right of citizens to choose health care providers, 705 Southern 2nd 563, uh, they said it didn't because it created some sort of conflicts. It use, uses citizen versus natural person. It uh, doesn't pass because the state's right to choose, but would severely limit ability to enter health care uh, contracts, individual contracts. And also, um, the independent nonpartisan commission, which the commission the represents in their brief, 926 Southern 2nd, 1218, uh, they said that summary was misleading because it states it is a nonpartisan commission, but it allows the parties to elect pretty much everything but three seats, so that was misleading. Nothing in this ballot summary is misleading. People understand what regulate marijuana like alcohol is. It's a common uh, term that has been used throughout this country in these ballot initiatives, and they understand the essence of what regulated alcohol use looks like, the responsibilities of that. The main issues are ID, 21 plus, uh, no diversion to minors, and 
no driving under the influence. And this initiative is similar to that. The ballot summary clearly and unambiguously provides its purpose and does not engage in log rolling. So thank you very much. So I, I know that I <clears throat> only have a minute. Justice Lawson, I try, I'd like to try to get your vote on limited use. Uh, you asked my friend on the other side what I think is a fair question. Uh, isn't it possible that even if the amendment passes, the legislature or private businesses will be able to create limitations on use? The problem with that argument is that the summary says that the amendment affirmatively limits use. And so I think, and we know that it doesn't, it may leave open avenues for later limitations, but it in and of itself doesn't affirmatively limit use, which brings this case in line with your recent decision in the Energy Choice Amendment case, because there the amendment was neutral on the right to sell energy. It left open the possibility that there would be a statutory right to sell energy. The problem that this court pointed out was that the summary suggested an affirmative right created by the amendment. So if they can't point you to some limitations on use as distinct from transfer growing possession that are actually baked into this amendment itself, they haven't established limited use and that phrase is misleading. Thank you. All right, we thank you for your arguments.